Hey, Q-Heads, it's our second anniversary show, and we were so excited to get Zach Sherwin to celebrate with us that we actually pre-taped this like three months ago. And for reasons that are going to become abundantly clear, we'd like to dedicate this episode to Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking was not just a really smart dude, but also funny, and also he wrote in a way that was easy for idiots like us to understand. So... Stephen, we salute you. If you'd like to make a donation in his honor, I recommend visiting stephenhawkingfoundation.org. Now on to the show. Welcome to Clearing the Queue with Alex and Matt. Here's how it works. Each episode starts with a friend of ours signing into their Netflix account. Together, we scroll through their queue. Ultimately, we find a movie that's been on there a little too long, and we watch it together. The best part is that every queue is unique, so it tells a story about the person. Here's a question. Are we going to record ourselves talking about the movie during the movie? No, 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 no. This is not Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's uh, Clearing the Queue. A Netflix podcast. <laughs> Our guest this week is Zach Sherwin. I told my wife what we were doing this with, and she's like, you haven't had Zach on yet? Let's address that, because one of the first things I did... When Alex and I... By the way, I think that this is our second anniversary episode. I haven't quite done the math right, but I'm pretty sure when this gets released, it's going to be just around two years since we released our first episode. Which means it's a little more than two years since Alex and I had the idea to do this podcast. Mm. And one of the first people that I went to was Zach. We went to Santa Monica... You had a show. We like hung oh, out. Oh, that's right. We went out to dinner, and I was like, I have this idea for a podcast. And you were like, really We good. had a buddy date. We had a little buddy date. Yes. Now I'm com- I'm right back to it. We went to Real Food Daily, which no longer exists. No. What happened? In Santa Monica. Oh. They closed that location. I see. But it still exists somewhere else. Yes. A couple of I places. think there's one in Pasadena. There's one in Pasadena. Where the great... <laughs> Regency Theater, $3.50. You should get the Regency Theater to sponsor this podcast. They seem to be pretty reckless with their money. money. (laughs) I I would do it. I'll I'll give them shout-outs without any money. I mean, $3.50 to go see Thor. How much are matinees? $2.50. Like, at at $3.50, you don't need a matinee price. No one's expecting you to have a matinee price. Nobody is going out of their way to save that dollar and see a matinee. In fact, it would almost be a fun feature of the theater to say all movies, matinees, but also evening shows are three fifty. Like people would like that. Part like three fifty is the matinee price, right? And then as a bonus, yes, yes, it's yes. also the evening price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that's what I would do. And also, when I went there, it looked like the sign had been crossed out, and that was actually an increase. <laughs> I'm, like I think it used to be three dollars because <laughs> there was like a handwritten, you know, when you can oh, kind of tell yeah. a sign has oh, been yeah. altered. Oh, yeah. So I think they raised their prices by 50 cents. Like a zero you can eight, to an eight, you can get away with hand correcting, but a That's zero to a five is real tough. Yeah, you gotta mm-hmm. put the little tape You got that over. crossbar. <laughs> so we talked about the podcast, and I don't spe- like specifically remember the conversation, mm. what we said, but I remember leaving it feeling like, we're gonna have a podcast. Like feeling encouraged, and like we had an idea that had legs. So... Today's going to be a little bit of a wacky episode. It already is, because we just sort of started, <laughs> and then here we are. But welcome to the QDO. Thank you. I'm pleased to learn that I'm here. Yep. <laughs> um, there's so much to do, but you don't have a queue, and you also got rid of internet at your house. We, we never had it. 
I didn't have internet at my old apartment. Uh, and then when my girlfriend and I moved in together, she was just like, I want to get internet in our place. And I was like, I bet if I don't do anything, she'll just like never do it. <laughs> and now we're a year and we're into our 13 month of living in the place and we don't have it. Is, is this like a better living through less, mate- I don't know, like material connective Sort of. Things? I, here, My observation was I, my work is such that I don't ever need to be like online at home for professional reasons. You know, serious, like laptop out and in front of me kind of way. And when I lived in places with internet, I was never home and doing stuff on the internet that I later would like feel like was a good use of my time. Got it. Got it. So I do have a hotspot on my phone and that's how we watch TV. My phone can become a hotspot. I don't have it on my phone. <laughs> uh, and so we'll like watch TV, but that's pretty infrequent. I I'm amazed. I mean, it's just like discipline. It's like someone that's going to yeah. have a really rigorous diet. Like I'm cutting sugar. That's cutting sugar out of your diet. But it's actually the opposite of discipline. It's a self short circuiting so that you don't have to have discipline mm-hmm. because I don't. If I had internet, I'd use it all the time. So I don't have it. So there's like, yeah. you know, the divide is like uh, moderators and abstainers. And you're just one or the other. And you're, you know, you're screwed if you don't like your lot in life. And some people can have a pint of ice cream in the fridge and work through it at a reasonable pace. And then people like me, you get it and you're like, I'm going to have one spoonful. And then it's over. Sure. Yeah. That's why I've basically said, like, we're not allowed to buy cookies. Because if we have cookies in the house, I just eat them all. Now, Hannah likes to bake, so we have a baking drawer, and I made a discovery probably two years ago that amongst the ingredients for baking, like flour and sugar and vanilla, there's also a bag of chocolate chips. (laughs) And so now I just eat chocolate chips. And she goes to bake cookies, and she's like, where are all the chocolate chips? I'm like, I ate them one at a time. Um, So you don't have internet, and yet you do love movies and content and stuff like that. I love it, but I like going to the theater, it's like a safe place to keep a very sweet bag of chocolate chips locked away. It's kind of an obstacle. It's like a hurdle to get there. You have to pay money to do it. You have to block off this time. Like you must like be seeing trailers for movies that you probably don't really know about. No. Wait. Why why must I? Well, I I guess I assume like without the internet you're not doing that stuff. Oh, right. let me be clear. <laughs> Another reason I don't have the internet at home is I like to write and compute at coffee shops and I spend, you know, probably like $9 a day between two coffees, uh, one in the morning and then one in the afternoon uh-huh. after lunch break. I have a whole system it's accounted for, <laughs> but the money I don't spend on Wi-Fi and having internet access at home gets redirected into subsidizing my coffee shop routine. Understood. So I have like an internet, at least one internet hour every day at the coffee shop where I'm just like clearing you, out email. You are not Amish. You're not Amish in no, any no, no, way. No. 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 Daily internet user plus the phone. I, I tried to institute a policy where I only was on the internet for certain blocks of time during the day, like literally turning off Wi-Fi during other blocks. And it just didn't last. At the beginning, I was like, this is great. I've cracked the code. And it was just, again, it's a moderation versus obsession. The reason I bring thing. up the movie trailers thing is because that's one thing I missed. Like, that when I was a kid, I'm like, holy shit, they're making a sequel mm-hmm. to Ninja Turtles 2? And you just uh, have no idea because you don't read the <laughs> trades. You right. don't read yeah. uh, any of that stuff. And I just, and just that, to be clear, that was a sequel to Ninja Turtles 2. So this is the third Ninja Turtles <laughs> oh, movie. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Correct. Okay, go on, Alex. Sorry um, Alex and I saw Turtles 3 together. Double feature with the Sandlot. Legendary double <laughs> Turtles feature. Turtles in time. Legendary. Double oh, yeah. Turtles but yeah, I just, that's a feeling I miss. It just never doesn't exist anymore. For you. For me. Yeah. yeah. 
what uh, do you find now even in the modern age yeah we saw when we when we recently saw thor they had trailers and i would say i probably knew about half of the movies that we saw trailers for oh we watched an entire trailer hannah and i both thinking that it was for a new transformers movie and hannah's like is this for transformers and i'm like i guess they're still making these i don't know and it turned out it was for pacific rim Two? Two. Oh no so yeah i don't i'm i'm out of the loop enough on certain things that i can still be surprised by trailers mm. can i spring in with three quick things here yes pacific please. rim one is the movie that i use as my example of like i sort movies by whether or not they like give me the juice that i want from a movie mm. like take me away from it and you know i buy in and pacific rim for me is a movie that i like ate processed and excreted with like no derived nutrients. I saw Pacific Rim and I was like, there's nothing in this for me. I don't even think the monster fights are cool. It's too CGI'd. What led you to see it? Uh, I like GDT. Guillermo del Toro. And, uh, (laughs) um, you know, I thought huge robots fighting sea monsters is like, right. It sounds awesome to Mm -hmm. me, but I thought the movie was like truly terrible. I saw it with our mutual friend Ian, who in a roundabout way is how we know each other. Oh, yeah. He, Ian's going to play a big role in the latter half of this episode. Oh, I'm super, super excited for that. <laughs> but, yeah. So so that's one, just while we're talking about uh-huh. Pacific Rim. Now to transition, I saw another GDT film, The Shape of Water, Ooh. which had a trailer for a film that I didn't know about and intend to go see because I thought the trailer looked so cool. And how long has it been since any of us have had an experience like that? It really mm-hmm. felt throwbacky and analog in a great in a great way. Yeah, totally. What was the trailer for? A oh. Quiet Place. We just made one. <laughs> uh, I Do you don't know, know what it's about? about? No, I don't. I, don't I know haven't seen the trailer. It. Maybe we should just all go without with you two doing your utmost to avoid That's learning anything favorite. about it. That's my favorite way to see a movie. Yeah, uh, me too, and I learned it from Ian. My third is just about, real quickly, the thing you said about like internet access mm-hmm. and restricting it. I also was like, I got to get it under control. As soon as the screen comes on, I'm done. So not only do I now leave my computer at home for the morning and write longhand in a notebook, I do- I'm not allowed to touch it till after lunch. And I physically turn my phone off and I like bought for $10 from someone on Craigslist like a iPod Nano, like a really thin iPod from like 2007 uh-huh. that I use exclusively as a timepiece. And so I just like shut my phone off. Now it's tougher if you do your creative work or whatever you're trying to get done on a computer because you have the internet right. there. Yeah. And plus like if you work in Google Docs or whatever, like you have to be online. Yeah. But I just am like, I, I my creative life depends on having my access to this infinite time distract, uh, infinite attention sucker and yeah. distractor, like I have to get away from it. I'm so curious about why you bought an iPod Nano instead of a watch. <laughs> I think it's because it simulates the experience of like having my. Oh well, this is this is a huge part of it. This is a huge part of it because I work at the coffee shop. Uh, I quote unquote have to have earbuds in both for my own kind of like walling off the world, but also because I often see people I know and I don't want them to think it's okay to come up and talk. That makes sense. Yep. So are you listening to music on the iPod? No, no, you're not. (laughs) That's good. That would be a distraction. Yeah. Is there any music on it? Yeah. Like could you could, there's a few beats for like when I perform raps live. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So it's your own. 
stuff on there. There's music on it, but it's just um, recordings from previous coffee shop sessions of ambient coffee shop noise that I play back. <laughs> Super relaxed. You listen to at home when you need to write. <laughs> so, I don't know if you recognize this, but floating across the table, this is the actual plastic bag from the movie American Beauty. Have you seen American Beauty? Yes. Okay. So you remember there was a plastic bag that they took a little video of and it was yeah. floating. So we got the plastic bag. We acquired it. What do you mean? Like this is the star of that movie. This is the plastic bag. This is bag. the plastic bag? That's the plastic is bag. Is this real or some no, pod we, joke? It's a pod joke. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> we got bits. We yeah, do yeah. bits. We do bits too. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to have you reach inside that bag. Okay. And take out a little slip of paper and then read what's on the slip of paper. Okay, okay. Okay. And what does it say on there? What's the most excited you've ever been by a trailer? Wow. What are the I feel like I already answered it. Should I pull a different one? <laughs> Maybe. Okay, I'm going to do it. Is The Quiet Place your answer? That I can remember, yeah. certainly. Okay. The next question is, where in L.A. can you find the cheapest <laughs> tickets? Name a movie you thought you were gonna hate, but ended up loving. It's classic. Old standby. <sighs> man, oh man. Okay. Um, okay. I, I just remembered that the stakes aren't high. No. Uh, <laughs> Never. Um... I, oh, and it's own movie. It doesn't have to be. I love questions that are just name one example. It doesn't have to be the best example. Everybody get over yeah. it needing to be the most or the <laughs> the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, on Christmas, I saw Molly's game with my girlfriend. I don't generally like movies that are like comedies and based on true stories. I just think it gets out of hand. Mm-hmm. I had a much better time than I expected to. That's as far as I'm prepared to go. <laughs> I don't know. I would not say I loved the film, but I had a positive on a pass fail. How, can I amend the question to name a movie that you thought was going to be a fail and was a pass? Sure. sure. Yeah. Sure. Then that's like a very recent example. I didn't know that uh, comedies based on true stories was a genre even. Like, I can't even think of other examples. Um, Molly's Game, have you seen it, or do you intend to, or do you care if I talk about it? I've never even heard of it. It's an. It's the first movie that Aaron Sorkin directed, and he also wrote I it. I have heard of this one. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got it now. <laughs> and it's like, I, I mean, is it a comedy? It has lots of comedy in it, yeah. and there's lots of moments that are played for fun. I, it's funny, because I generally don't like, in general, I don't like movies based on true stories, if, unless they're one of two exceptions. One is if I don't know the true story. Mm. Or two is if it's written by Aaron Sorkin because huh, I just I like whoa. his dialogue. Mm. I just because I think you'd have a good take on this, but like it's really hard to t- like. There are many dramas that are very funny, but you would never call them comedies. Do you have? Is there a couple things that you're gonna see in a movie that you would define it as comedy? Or for example, like when you were talking about types of movies, like I thought Wolf of Wall Street was a little zany, based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Probably I would de- define it as more comedic than drama filled. So. Mm. Like that. I don't know. Is there anything specific? Does Jack Black have to be in it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> King Kong comedy. <laughs> um, I don't have a specific... No, I don't have some specific criterion. I, I mean, obviously, the best movie... Like, my favorite movie that I've seen of late is Lady Bird. Talk That's about on the pass-fail. Like, I cried, like, three times. Huge pass. Is that the last movie you cried during? 
Yes. <laughs> okay. Is that part of this? Well, <laughs> we're going so out of order, but <laughs> in my discussions with Ian about uh-huh. getting a recommendation for you, uh-huh. I mentioned to him that one of the questions we sometimes ask guests to like get the motor running is, what was the last movie you cried during? And he said, in fact, I know the last movie that Zach cried during, but he didn't tell me. And so I've just been wondering for the last couple of days what it is. That's it. And it just came up organically. That's it. Um, That movie is, I guess it's a comedy. It's hard. So it's impossible to say. But the best movies, like life, will have really sad parts and really funny parts. You got to have both. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Is that a good segue for us to jump into what we're going to do? Hells yeah. Okay. So can I say, before we do, can I say one last thing? Please. Wolf of Wall Street is a member of a class of movie that I find really interesting, which is movies whose type, the, okay, the initials of their title, the acronym for their title is a mini review of the movie itself. So Wolf of Wall Street, wows. A couple other examples are Revenge of the Sith, Rots. It's kind of the same because it has of the in the yep. middle of it. But um, Secret Life of Pets, slop. I have one. Mine is Event Horizon. Eh. Eh. That's great. That's great. John Dies at the End is a cult film that you could watch with someone you met on J-Date. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to beat that one. <laughs> yep. So here's what we are going to do. Okay. So when we talked two years ago, it was like, great idea. Let's you should do the podcast. I'm like, great. So we're doing the podcast. And then we're like, we're gonna have you on. You're like, great. And I'm like, so what's your Netflix password? And it's like, I don't even have internet at home. (laughs) So you don't have a queue. And that led us to a very exciting opportunity because Mm. recently we had our 50th anniversary episode. Wow. And on that episode, we had our friend Sue Kate on. Cool name. And instead of going through her queue, which we had done before, we had people do 60 second pitches for movies that they thought she should see. Hmm. And we used a timer and everybody loves timers. People love timers. You know, they give us a, 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 a artificial sense of urgency. So what we're going to do for you right now Mm -hmm. is Alex is going to give you a 60 second pitch on a movie. He thinks you should see. I'm going to give you a 60 second pitch and our mutual friend, Ian emailed us with an email that I think I can read in 60 seconds, oh, if great. I read it quickly, of a movie you should see. Hey, I, I love this, and I'm so flattered to be at the center of all this attention. <laughs> uh, and so, and then we're going to have a list of movies, and then we can choose which one we actually want to watch. Hit me, boys. There's there's one thing, though. Sue Kate yeah. uh, gave us a little a brief bio. Oh, yes. So, I, I the only thing, I mean, you've given, you've given some cute like clues away what you like. You like some movies with a little bit of heart. You like an escapism, but not quite mm. fake. If your robot fights happen, you want those robot fights to be a little more realistic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, you love Guillermo del Toro, so you maybe like a little stylish uh, art design. Yeah. Um, is there anything else we're missing from these little brief clues on yeah. what type of movie you... Yeah. I love um, like heist films and psychological thrillers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I don't like stuff to be too mouth-breathingly fanboyish. So, like, superhero mm. movies are almost categorically out the window for me. I'll stop there for now. That's very... Heist films. Yeah. That's great. I love that thrill. I like thrill. Is it the plan? But, like, the pl- putting the plan maybe. together? Maybe. We know I like <laughs> I to plan. I love a good plan. <laughs> That's, maybe that is it. 
So something with a good plan. That's really a great insight. Well, that's the best part is when they lay out the blueprints. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love Ocean's Eleven, the remake. I never saw the OG mm, Ocean's yeah. Eleven. But because it's just so fast-paced, everything is, is, is high speed. It's really exciting. How do you feel about the one last job trope, though? Love it. <laughs> okay. That's, it's hard you to have to if you're going to be into heist films. That's the stakes, right? Like yeah. That's the artificial stakes. Yeah. Right. It's like you can't ski if you have a problem with cold. <laughs> I used to ski, and I liked the cold. Uh huh. But in retrospect, it wasn't worth it. Like <laughs> I remember at the time being like, "Yeah, I like being cold." And like your 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 feet, your toes are always numb by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, "That's just a thing." Like by the end of the day, you can't feel your toes, but then like you warm them by the fire, and then you can. And now I'm thinking, is there anything in my life now that would be worth not being able to feel my toes? This is like a profound observation about youth versus wisdom. There's something wonderful mm. about the you who doesn't care about numb toes, too. Yeah. But now you're not that person. No. Now numb toes are at the top of my list of things I care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we didn't decide who was going to pitch first. That has yet to be decided. Did you, do you have a list? I went through and made a pre-list that's pretty blanket. I've got, I, I've got mine ready to go, and I've got Ian's email ready to go. Let's start with Ian. You want to start with Ian? Whoa. Okay. Okay. Uh... Hmm. It's just not what I expected. It's a great choice. Let's start with Ian. Twist. Okay. So, and maybe this will help Alex. I don't know. Okay. God, I'm excited. So, our friend Ian, who, just for some context, he knows more about movies than anybody else that I know. Let me put it this way if I pulled a cardstock out that said, Who's someone in your life who's a cinephile? I would go instantly and only to Ian. Yeah. He has a home theater in his house. That is the best viewing experience. Oh, wow. And it's designed to be like a movie theater. It has those little exit lights on the rows. Mm. It has actual movie theater carpeting. It has seats that are way more comfortable than any movie theater you'll ever be in. And he just redid it to make it even greater in ways that I think I can't talk about on the podcast. Ah, okay. So here we go. So this this is what Ian wrote. I know that Zach likes movies with energy that star people who are still alive. In quotes. Probably the film I was most sure he'd like, and was correct when I showed it to him, was... Wait, In in Bruges? Inside Man. Oh, Inside Man. Okay, go on. (laughs) A different in. Uh, So two that I will recommend right off the bat are what I consider the other two truly great must-see Spike Lee movies. Do the Right Thing and She's Gotta Have It. Mm. Both fall into the category of films that are grown-up movies that came out when Zach was a kid. When I was emailing with him, I said, try to think of a movie that, for some reason, you think he might have missed. So that was a... Okay, reference to that. He says, Do the Right Thing was released in the racially volatile year of 1989, which was also a huge year for me. And I'm sad to say the issues depicted in the film are every bit as relevant today as they were over 25 years ago, if not more so. Hmm. The film is alive with energy, the energy of a young filmmaker who has just come into his own, and the energy of a cast and crew used to working without much of a budget, suddenly making a film with studio backing and financing. Many of the great actors in the movie are now dead, Ruby Lee, Ossie Davis, Bill Nunn, Robin Harris, but many are still alive and kicking. Spike, Danny Aiello, John Turturro, Samuel L. Jackson, hmm. Richard Edson, Giancarlo Esposito, Frankie Faison, Martin Lawrence, his film debut, Frank Vincent, and Rosie Perez. That's a crazy cast. Uh, then he continues, She's Gotta Have It was Spike's first feature, and he recently remade it as a Netflix miniseries, which was good, but not as good as the original film, in my opinion. Then again, I don't like contemporary TV the way everyone else in the world seems to. 
I think of this movie for Zach because polyamorous relationships and people's individual definitions of fidelity have been a frequent topic of conversation. She's Gotta Have It is told by a young male filmmaker from the perspective of a young female character. This and the fact that it's 30 years old may make some of it challenging for woke millennial viewers, especially when compared to the new version. But for me, this is still one of the best movies about male-female dynamics, and it was one of the key inspirational movies of my youth, one that made me want to be a filmmaker. Its inventive, low-budget techniques are not as unique now as they were when it was made, but it's still a -a one-of-a-kind movie with an unmatched raw energy. Who, after hearing that, doesn't want to be friends with Ian? (laughs) Totally agree. Like, that's why I like the hard sell. That's why I like the pitch. To me, that's the best case for why someone speaking passionately about something they love is worth minor spoils to give a little bit, like, to get you in the door. I hope Ian, it sounds like Ian had fun writing this and it wasn't a chore for him. (laughs) I hope he did. That was wonderful. It was very well Untouched. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, I've seen Do the Right Thing with Ian and I loved it. He was right. Uh, That makes me want to see it again. (laughs) Because I'm different. But have you seen She's I haven't seen it. She's Gotta Have It. Okay. So that's our first contender. That's okay. the Brownell hard sell. Oh, that rhymes. Ooh. That makes me happy. Very nice. Uh, you want to go next? I've got a lot of movies. I, I think you're going to have seen many of these, but I have to start with these top two. They're both on Netflix right now. They're both psychological thrillers. So first, have you seen Memento? Long ago. Okay. Ironically, I don't really remember it, but I have seen it enough Wait, to make that joke. Should I start joke. the clock for you? Let me let me just make let me let's pick the movie that he hasn't seen, and then I'll give you sixty seconds yes. to sell it. Okay. Um, have you seen The Prestige? Yes. Mm. You've seen The Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Damn. Okay. Have you seen Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow? No. And have you seen Exit Through the Gift Shop? Yes. Okay. My pitch, <laughs> okay, and, and, I, cl- and I am limited. <laughs> the pumpkin hard sell because I did not. Sky Captain go- in the World of Tomorrow starts now. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow was a movie that was sitting in my queue for so friggin' long. It, mm. If you remember anything about it, and I don't know if that you do, but Sky Captain in the World is a true escape. It is done um, with a very heavy CGI style, but in that like three hundred Sin City way that was mm. like, we're, let's make a old sci fi looking. 1930s steampunk, diesel punk looking thing. Um, it's got uh, Jude Law, um, Gwyneth Paltrow, and basically the director mm, started with a fan film that was like, I want to make a thing about a robot inv- invasion in the 1940s that looks and has that iconic. 15 seconds. 50s, like, I don't even know what, like 30s diesel punk style. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's visually like nothing like you've ever seen, they've ever done for. When I saw it, a few months ago, I was wholeheartedly impressed with the style, and they have to bring it back now that the effects can look a little bit better. But it's an adventure that I think you'll like. Okay. That was the timer. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Dark Horse. Didn't see that coming. Uh, any thoughts so far on these two pitches, these two radically different pitches we've heard? No. I'll reserve weighing in until a little hear, bit later in the game. You? Okay. Uh, I'll go next. Is that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> well, less of a joke. Well, not a- no, it's not. Okay, actually. Okay. I'm glad it's funny, but it wasn't a joke. Okay. Um, I'm starting, You're the only one I'm who can go. Clock. Okay. So, okay. So, <laughs> Alex knows that my homework over winter vacation, I was supposed to watch a bunch of movies, and I watched a bunch of them. The one movie that I did not watch that remains in my queue 
is a movie called Loving. Oh, yeah. But I'm not going to pitch you on Loving. <laughs> I haven't have seen it. 37 seconds. Okay. I'm going to pitch you on The Loving Story, which is the documentary that Loving was based on, which I also haven't seen. Wow. But my problem a lot of the time with based on true stories is that the stakes are too low for me. I, I'm, I spend the whole time distracted by what's real, what did they make up, like you did with hmm. the... Aaron Sorkin movie. So the loving story, the pitch is a racially charged criminal trial of a heart wrenching and a heart wrenching love story converge in this documentary about Mildred and Richard loving set during the turbulent civil rights era. I would love to know about this story. I don't know about this story at all. I figure we forget this Oscar bait, go straight to the source, watch a documentary and learn something. I have my choice. Oh, but you, you think you have your choice, but I have a surprise for you. What? Because. <gasps> I love this. This is exactly how I making, want all podcasts Making to be. his third appearance on Clearing the Queue live via pre-recorded what? message, Izzy Maxwell. Oh, yes. Hello, Cuniverse. <laughs> Alex, Zach, it's a virtual pleasure to virtually be here. My 60-second hard sell is for the 2015 mockumentary, What We Do in the Shadows. This is one of my favorite movies. Though the premise sounds like a tired cliché, a comedy reality show about vampire roommates, What We Do in the Shadows explores the social life of the undead in a way that is hilariously practical. One scene picks up on a 500-year-old argument over whose turn it is to do the dishes. The film was written, directed, and starring Jermaine Clement and Taika Watiti. Despite this double-triple threat, the movie does not feel self-indulgent. Their acting and character development is refined and skillful, leaving plenty of room in the spotlight for a full cast of equally developed characters, including Rhys Darby as a conscientious leader of a pack of werewolves. But you don't have to take my word for it. I brought a friend to help me pitch the movie. Hello. This is Steve Hawking. It is a pleasure to be on Clearing the Queue. I'm a big fan of the show. So, uh, Stephen, uh, may I call you Stephen? Oh, man. What did you think of the film? Well, using advanced theoretical physics, I have determined that what we do in the shadows is a very good movie. Zach, you would enjoy it very much. Also, Izzy is cool. <laughs> there you have it. Oh my god. So woefully unprepared. <laughs> I am Great recommendation too. I am beaming with this is just great in a million ways. So my choice was unchanged by Izzy's pitch, uh-huh. but is refined and clarified by it. Interesting. Ready? Mm. I'm ready. Okay, first let me say that all of these pitches are very strong contenders. No, none of them is a um, a goose egg. I don't think that's exactly <laughs> what I mean to say, but n- no rotten eggs in the bunch. Yeah. Uh, I've seen What We Do in the Shadows. Mm. What did you think? I loved it. Good recommendation. Did you see it with Izzy? No. <laughs> okay. I did not. In the same way you saw one of Ian's recommendations with Oh, him. that would have been great. No, um, I didn't see it with Izzy. I saw it, and I loved it. Alex, have you seen it? I have. It's great. Okay, me too. Yeah. We're going to put a pin in that, but we're going to come back to it as Ah, I talk my way through the rest of this. Zach is one of the best people I know at putting pins in things and remembering to come back to them. I don't know anyone else that can sort of like store a thread Mm. and then return to it without having forgotten. Mm. So, 
the way I learned to do that is no, <laughs> <laughs> I have a system for everything. Um, I am moved and even a little like uh, challenged by the pitch of the loving story, mm-hmm. but I want to have this be sort of like a Saturday afternoon. That'll feel to some extent, an inescapable extent to me. It'll feel a little like historical homework. And I think it's a really important story. And I hope that I see the documentary Mm -hmm. and the movie one day, but it is with some chagrin that I tell you that that is not going to be the film that we watched today. Okay. So that brings us to sky captain and she's got to have it. Yes. And here's what the deal is. What's the initials for sky captain? Uh, It is, Scat Tau. Scat Tau. Scat Tau. No, no, no. Scat Watt. Sorry. World of Tomorrow is Watt. Scat Watt. Scat Watt. Okay. That'd be my review of The Jazz Singer. Scat Watt. <laughs> That's great. Um, I really, really, really want to watch She's Gotta Have It. Mm. And I'm going to. And I would watch it on my own. And I would never in a million years watch Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow on my own. Wow. So I'm going to capitalize on this opportunity to watch a film that I would never choose to watch. Mm. Watch Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow with you guys today. Then I'm going to watch She's Gotta Have It on my own in the waning days of my Netflix subscription, which I canceled yesterday. So I'm going to have a few days to get She's Gotta Have It. And then I'm going to record a 67, 60 second reaction and email it to you, Izzy style, for a future episode of your podcast. Beautiful. But today Amazing. I think we should watch Sky Captain. Too good to us. Great. And I'm going to add She's Got to Have It to my queue. Yeah. Because that was such a good sell that right now the only thing in my queue is Casa de Mi Padre. And so oh. it's time to replenish. So I'm adding that to my queue. Huh. I kind of want to watch Casa de Mi Padre someday. Well, but not today. Maybe we'll have you back. But for now, we're going to go watch Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow. I can't believe I won. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. All that effort. Uh, Our listeners are going to hear their trailer for it, and then we're going to come back and talk about what we saw. Great. A man came to see me today. He was terrified. Said someone was coming for us. This world will end. I asked him who he was so afraid of. He repeated one name. Totenkopf. They show up without warning, take what they need, and then they disappear without a trace. I want this story. Nothing gets published until I say so. Totenkopf's building a doomsday device. Earth will be incinerated. What have you got me into this time? Nothing you can't handle, Frankie. They've started a countdown. Enemy warships closing fast. Can't hold them off any longer. They've broken through the perimeter. Send reinforcements. Send everything you got. Oh my God, they're everywhere. I'm on my way. How do we get past those machines? Leave that to me. Five, four, two, I see it, three, two,
All right, we're back. Wow. Changed it, men. It definitely <laughs> dawned on me that during my pitch, I used the word diesel punk, and then I asked you, do you know what diesel punk is? And you said no. Yeah. Diesel punk is like, and steampunk are aesthetic sci-fi offshoots. I have some familiarity with steampunk. Oh, yeah. So diesel punk is the, yeah. So steam, uh, steampunk is like Victorian era Techno- like if futuristic technology existed in a Victorian steam-powered mm-hmm. era. Mm-hmm. And diesel punk is similar sci-fi should have, but in like a gas-powered 1930s to 1950s aesthetic. Oh, yeah. This was diesel punk. Sure like was. the Rocketeer? Maybe the Rocketeer? Yeah, sure. Okay. Do you, when you guys are at the gas station and you get gas and there's the option for diesel, I know I'm not supposed to get it, but I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Anybody? I got nothing. Octane. It, I don't know what that is. Octane. <laughs> there are a lot of things that I don't know. It's high um, octane or low octane. Um, okay, so before we um, get into this, we're going to do a quick recap. Yes. So I'll let you guys do it. You want us to do it? Yeah. Okay. So Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. I don't even know where to begin. Okay. Stars Jude Law as a guy named Joe, who is some sort of fighter pilot, and Gwyneth Paltrow as. Polly Perkins. Polly Perkins, uh, an intrepid reporter yes. who, with a romantic past with Joe. They go on an adventure to find a mad scientist that's been... Attacking the city. Yeah. And stealing scientists. I gotta say, it's tough for me to do the synopsis, because one of my criticisms of this movie is I couldn't totally follow what was going on. Mm. But, Zach, then what happens? I mean, how fine-grained do we go? There's like a series of adventures. Interesting characters are met along the way who assist them in their quest to reach the island of the mad scientist. Most notably, Francesca, a woman from Joe's past and an amazingly capable warrior herself. Who he refers to as Frankie, so you think it's going to be a boy, but it ends up being Angelina Jolie. Uh, it's Angelina With an Jolie. Eye yep. And we don't find out what happened to her eye. Nope. But we don't need to. We don't need to, because eventually they find the island and save the world. The end. There's a lot of... How did that... Oh, no one seems to care, so I won't. Yeah, totally. I was going to say before, I feel a little bit like the part where Sky Captain says to the robot assassin he fights throughout the film, so how are we going to do this? <laughs> That's how I feel about, like, how do we start talking about the this? movie? What yeah. are the rules? What well, are the conventions? Well, I mean, as the guest, you're under no obligation to take notes. Alex and I always take notes, and these mm, we have copious. a bunch of things to talk about. I would say sometimes copious, sometimes less so, but in this case, I did write down a lot. You have a lot. I wrote down a lot. Go well, for it. I have much less. You have much less, because you've seen this before. Mm-hmm. So this is my first time. So I, I wrote a lot. I mean, starting off with, what is milk of magnesia? Oh, oh that's a real thing. But that's, what is um, it? That's, there's a more formal name for it. There's a more like store brand name. It's oh. like an antacid. Maalox or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's an antacid. Oh. So it's not... Tums. It's Tums in liquid form. Yeah. Oh. Well, the they, grand... take, they take some of that in Hupped this. Out. There's two scenes that are sort of... That it's prominently featured in. Yeah. Remember, like, in science in eighth grade, we had to do acid and base tests? I do. Milk of magnesia is, like, a base. Oh. Um, and that's the only one. It's like that in milk. And I don't really know any other bases. So... Alex and I had science class together in mm. eighth grade. And so one of the projects was you actually make a pH test using 
cabbage. Yeah. Or beets. Ca- or something. Soaked paper. Paper you, soaked in beet juice or soaked cabbage Soaked in juice. beet juice. Your, your house ends up covered in this like red dye Ooh. that's really hard to get out. But then you dip it into various things. Hmm. And it, depending on how the color changes, you find out if things are acids or bases. Hmm. It was, as far as like ways to engage, you know, 13-year-olds in science, it was great. It clearly stuck. <laughs> I don't remember what's an acid and what's a base, though, unfortunately. The way that Alex knows his milk of magnesia. I feel like milk of magnesia is a an era signifier. Totally. There are, yeah. Like, it was telling us we were in the 30s. Yeah. And you were right when you were like, this movie feels like no other movie. I felt like, like visually and even like pacing and the way it was shot and everything. Literally everything was on blue screen or green screen. And I don't know, like sometimes it was more apparent than others, uh, but that was like the general conceit about this. Was like That's why I compared it to Sin City and the pitch. Sin City was like super stylized, but we're not going to shoot anything. It's all going to be on a soundstage. Mm-hmm. And that's what this was. And it's a lot of effing work to do that. Yeah. Um, but the vision was... I always I, well, that's why I was most impressed. The vision was strong. Like they mm-hmm. they were doing shots that were almost directly lifted from like old serials and stuff like that. And that's what the director Carrie uh, Conran wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically did like this whole thing started as like a six minute pitch that he did on his like iMac back in two thousand two, and he like was able to get such high production value like like the equivalent of doing like uh when damon albarn from gorillas made like the album on the ipad like he had such <laughs> high level of production value with this right. that he's able to show it to people that were connected and we're like this should be pretty easy to make there was there was definitely a clear vision in the direction i don't know what did you think how did you feel when we were watching this part of the movie was about fomo Specifically, the desire of Gwyneth Paltrow's character to get the right last two shots yeah. with her camera. And this is the ultimate spoiler, but she doesn't get them. <laughs> right. She doesn't get those two shots. Yeah. Um, I was grappling with FOMO feelings of my own at points during the movie because I didn't feel like, you know... At, at certain points, I felt like I can tell that this is being made by someone who cares a lot about the aesthetic, stylistic version of this, but I personally don't care about it. So while I can appreciate somebody's strong aesthetic sense, since it isn't mine, I can only connect at like a secondary degree to what's going on. Mm. But then I was kind of like, cool, I'll I'll surrender to it and like, you know, enjoy the movie. I thought it was... Uh, very much an exercise in style over substance. There yeah, was almost totally. no substance. Totally. The characters were unobjectionable. I didn't give a hoot. I didn't give a flying hoot what happened to either one of them. Yeah. And it seemed almost like they were made to be sort of like pawns or ciphers, you know, just for an, uh, like a pretext for the plot and action. But mostly, of course, the look and the right. effects Absolutely, to happen. Yeah. So once I figured that out that I wasn't going to connect to it that way, I was able to get into it more. Yeah, I think I felt similarly. There was like so little dialogue. Like there were big stretches that didn't have dialogue. And so it, it kind of rests on just the inherent charisma of the people on screen. And... I just did, I didn't get a lot of that from either one of them. And I realized that Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow are two actors who I have no feelings about. <laughs> like, I don't dislike either one of them, but I don't have, like, I just don't have any good or bad feelings about them. Almost even like La La Land-ish. 
The characters are there to create a vibe more than they are. Did mm. you see La La Land? I Alex? did. Yeah, they're, they're just I there buy to... into their chemistry. Personally, I thought they have good chemistry. I actually thought that Gwyneth Paltrow and Jude Law had decent chemistry. Yeah, although the whole uh, battered past was like a direct lift from like Raiders of the Lost Ark with Indiana Jones. Sure. and the the chick that he was w- with. Let's save all the other references to other movies as a separate <laughs> talking point. Okay, I guess just like we know you'll remember that. Thread. <laughs> I just, did, yeah, I mean, you know, who cares? It, it, yeah. It, it, like, defied us to care about the characters almost. Totally. They were like milk of magnesia in their relationship. <laughs> like, bland, uninteresting, vaguely medicinal. Yeah. They're, yeah. It was Puts just, you in an era. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about all the yes. other movies now? So, the overarching thing is... At a certain point, I was like, this is just a pastiche of references to stuff from other movies. Mm-hmm. I detected, like, Jurassic Park, King Kong, Star Wars, The Matrix. I don't know what year this movie came out. 2004. 2004. I currently have... Stuck in my head. And I know we didn't just hear it, but the score was similar enough to it that I have that in my head now. Yeah. So, a lot of references. I wrote down some of my favorite lines... At one point, Gwyneth Paltrow's character says, okay, I'm a liar, but I don't exaggerate. <laughs> oh, yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> and is that true of her character? <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah, really I don't care. think it means anything either. I think it just sounds punchy. Um, I like my favorite Angelina Jolie line is, alert the amphibious squadron. Oh, yeah. That was a really good line. There's two points at this movie where a plane has amphibious capabilities. Yes. Yeah. The second time it happened, I was like, less, I mean, clearly dramatic. this is a thing for this guy. He we thinks should, it's cool. We should talk about, so a while back, Alex wanted to see a Nicolas Cage movie. Mm-hmm. And we went to great pains to find the right Nicolas Cage movie. And we ended up choosing a movie that we thought starred Nicolas Cage. And it turned out that he only had a very small cameo towards the end of the movie. Everything I know about Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow is that it stars Angelina Jolie with an eye patch. And so when we first met Sky Captain and it was Jude Law, I turned to Alex and I said, wait, it's not Angelina Jolie? Angelina Jolie, I timed it. She shows up at one hour and two minutes into the movie. She's on screen for the next nine minutes. And then she makes a 30-second appearance in the final minute of the movie. Whoa. So she has less than 10 minutes. I just realized that she's basically Nick Fury from S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. With the Sky uh, Space Station and the the eye patch. Hmm. Good call. So if you're hoping to see an Angelina Jolie movie. On the flip side, if you're looking for... If you're like running low on Giovanni Ribisi... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because... I think people like him, and they just don't know where to get him. Yeah. This is where you're going to get your do- your dose. Is it me, or is he often chewing gum in his roles? Interesting. It's, like an, it's part of like his acting affect or something is like that. Is chewing gum. Yeah. yeah. In this, they like wrote it into the script. Yeah, it was an him. important plot point. <laughs> I liked seeing Paltrow act. Now she's just, in 2018, she's like an annoying lifestyle brand yeah. CEO. Right. So it was cool to see her. She was comp- like. It didn't move. Her performance didn't move me, but that's not yeah. what it was supposed to do. She right. delivered the goods at being that character. Another one of my favorite quotes was was of hers. She said, "Those are his personal papers. He'd never leave without them." <laughs> Go talk about it. <laughs> um, well, 
What I like about that line is, let's say you like break into somebody's house and you want to know if they're home or not. Like for her, it was like, okay, well, he's a scientist. So like if the papers are here, he's here. He hasn't like left on his rocket ship yet. So I'm wondering like if somebody broke into your home, what, how, how would they know you were there? Like, is it like, oh, his phone charger's here. He must be around. Oh, this is a great. What is your answer? Do you know yours? No. If it were daytime, mine would be his straw sun hat is here. He'd never leave without it. <laughs> that is a great hat. That is a very functional Los uh, Angeles hat. I think for me, it would be like, look at all the shit Alex left on the floor. He's been here recently or something. Like oh, that. interesting. <laughs> like, uh, if it's totally clean, you're saying Alex hasn't been here in days. At least. <laughs> I see. Everything's clean and put away. Huh. Yeah, you know, I... I compulsively straighten before I leave the house. Like, I don't like coming home to a messy house. Yeah. Like, dirt and filth is fine, but I just mean in terms of clutter. Right. So, if there's, like, a stray thing here and there, then I'm probably still home. Right. And if if there's not, then I've left. And, of course, the ultimate answer is our cell phones. Yeah. But even, but no, because I wouldn't be in another room. <laughs> my cell phone's going to be oh, in my yeah, pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Why did he leave without his cell phone? I don't know. Maybe. How do we track him? How do we track him? We can't use the Find My iPhone feature. (laughs) I like that um, her name was Polly Perkins, Mm -hmm. and that's a lot like Peter Parker, Mm -hmm. who's another newspaper photographer who's always getting into jams. And I just realized Pepper Potts, another Gwyneth Paltrow character. Oh, yeah. Good call. Great call. You just want to talk about Jude Law's daring, thoughtful. Uppercut that he oh, gave. Oh, I mean, that's sort the of big. Safe. Yeah, we do have to talk about. We it. have so to address every it. time we watch an old movie. Because the funny thing is, like, this is two, was made in two thousand four, uh, with as an homage to movies made in the thirties. Mm-hmm. So there, go. So go. yes, and every time we watch an old movie, there's always a scene where a guy slaps or in some way degrades a woman, and it always takes me out of it. And I'm like, fuck this guy. And I'm like, now we got to talk about it on the show. Cause I'm not going to let that slide. Mm-hmm. So this is this weird carve out where it's a mo- It's a modern day movie. But like you said, because it took place so long ago, was that an illusion and therefore fair game when he literally punches Gwyneth Paltrow or was that just bullshit? And what was the point? So I knew you were going to bring it up, and I was thinking about like, and so much so that you actually well, brought it up. Yeah, that well, that I that it it probably wouldn't have been that hard to write in some sort of knockout gas or potion that yeah. would have been a little less like of the physical right. nature and accomplish the same thing. Right. So that's why. That's so. You know. I'm I mean, with, I'm with you if you don't if you're not into it. I just don't think you would have in 2018 a movie where that happens. That definitely is right. a Even if you were doing movie. an homage yes, to it? Yes, yeah. for sure. A hero, certainly. I mean, now that yeah. would be used to indicate villainy. Mm. Um, I think that the fact that she later gets to sock him in the face was intended to be the wink. Like, oh, we know that this is an, a relic of a bygone Great era, point. but yep. like, there's restitution. But actually, because we live in the patriarchy, a man hitting a woman like counts for a lot more than like a woman getting to hit a man back. And so the overall balance is not restored to my viewing. I, I didn't like seeing Gwyneth Paltrow get punched in the face by the heroic sky captain. Yeah. She wakes up like 10 minutes later. Well, the other crazy thing about this, cause this is a trope in movies where somebody gets punched one punch and then they pass out Mm -hmm. and then they wake up later. 
And in real life, if you get punched one time, it hurts a lot. You get bruised. But I don't think that it's that common for you to just fall asleep immediately. Right? It happens. I've seen enough, uh, like, uh, videos leaked on, like, Deadspin about, like, brawls at, uh, at like, sporting events. Yeah. That it does happen. But as but does it happen as often as it does in the movies? Of course not. Of course <laughs> like, not. Like, because you're right. Because the only reason he needed to punch her from the movie's perspective, was that he needed her to fall asleep very quickly. Just for enough time to pass to come re-enter this. I I was uncomfortable about that. Um, We need to rate this movie. And we've experimented with a lot of different rating systems. Mm. The star system, the 1 to 10, the thumbs up, the thumbs down. Lately, I've been doing a rating system where I simply say who I think will enjoy this movie and who I think won't enjoy this movie. So it's wide open, dealer's choice. In this case, you're the dealer, so you get to choose. Why don't we use my pass-fail system from before? Great. Did this deliver the juice that you want from a movie? Did it take you there? Did you break through? Is that an okay system? Totally. It's great. Totally I love it. it. How do we decide who goes first? How do I'll go first. I'll get it out of the way. Okay. Uh, this still stays a pass for me as the one who recommended it. <laughs> with the caveat of you have to sort of be into the, the visual style. Mm. Uh, I'll go. I'm going to give it a fail with the, with the caveat that I'm really glad we watched it. And, like, I enjoyed watching it, and it gave me a lot to think about. But, like, did it deliver on the movie-watching experience that I look for? It didn't. I'd be lying if I said it did. Like, all the stylized stuff is cool, but for me, it, like, can't be a pass unless I'm invested in the characters. Um, yes. My opinion is very similar to Matt's. It was an interesting fail for me. I don't regret watching it, but it did not deliver what I want from a movie. I feel like you would use it as an example in a film class to show a wide range of potential style palettes Mm. or some such. So in that sense, I'll say it felt like a cool exercise, but as someone who doesn't watch I'm I'm not like a gobbler of movies, and so when Mm -hmm. I watch one, not all the time. I do want a little more heart, and I want to be have my feelings stimulated more. Mm. Um, This felt like it was all brain and sense of aesthetic. Before we go, we'd like the listeners to be able to hear more of you and see more of you. The plug, and um, what can they do to find a little more of Mr. Sherwin? YouTube is where I've done the most of my work that's just viewable. It's just Zach Sherwin. Um, Is that Zach with just a C or with a K or with an H? With an H. Thanks, Matt. For a second, I was like, what? Oh, he's setting me up. Zach Sherwin, only H's the whole way through. There it is. Beautiful. You started the day. What? What? Scat what? I still have like the acronym. Scat what? Scat what? Uh, Well, you started the day with nothing in your queue. We added four things. Then we removed what we do in the shadows, so it was down to three. And then we watched this movie, which means you are now... One step closer to to clearing the queue. That was clearing the queue. If you heard anything you like or know we were just dead wrong about, you can email us at clearingthequeue at gmail.com. To spell Q-U-E-U-E, that's a tough one. And if your thoughts are funny, we'll read it on air. Follow us on Twitter at CT2Podcast. Instagram at clearing the queue, Facebook.com slash clearing the queue. Subscribe on iTunes? Yeah, subscribe on iTunes. Ha ha. I don't know how you do that.